Business as Unusual is a thought-provoking podcast that explores the innovative strategies, disruptive ideas, and unconventional practices driving successful leaders and companies in the ever-evolving world of modern business. Subscribe, comment, and share for weekly inspiration with our host, Aisila. Welcome to uh, Business is Unusual this week with uh, Maria Blasco, uh, and we're talking about beyond inclusion. So excited to be doing this with you, Maria. We've been talking about this for over a year, I think. <laughs> so, yeah. Hi, Aisla. It's great to be here. And yes, we have been talking about this for a long time, and I guess, you know, when the time is right, it's right. So, mm-hmm. so um can you give like a brief overview? We'll obviously spend more time talking about what you do, but a little bit about what Beyond Inclusion Group is and your role. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Maria Velasco. I'm the founder and CEO of Beyond Inclusion Group. And we are an organization that is uh, committed, committed to helping leaders uh, transform their workplace cultures into equitable and inclusive uh, spaces where everyone thrives, where everyone belongs. And we do this through a variety of services. Um, I will say that our biggest emphasis is on helping um, leaders develop their mindset and their skill set so they can actually work on the organizational culture. We have we really believe that when leaders are not able to, uh, not because they don't want it, of course, but they haven't developed that capacity, that mindset, that is very difficult to create a workplace culture that is uh, inclusive. And then we also do uh, organizational assessments, individual assessments, and um, strategic consulting. Mm. Well, and uh, so I, gosh, I think it was over a decade ago, the very first time I heard Maria present, and we were both presenting um, in Boulder County around some different programs. And one of the things that I appreciated was the the level of cultural research you brought into things. I always learned so much when you were presenting on a topic and, and really took it to heart. So uh, it was exciting for me to see that you had started a company where you were helping people learn because I feel like it's something we need so much. And one of the things that you told me when we reconnected a couple of years ago is that your focus was this leadership. And, and it was it felt like such a simple aha moment, but also realizing like, if we don't, obviously you need the the people at the company to be invested or in the group, whatever it is. However, like you said, if the leaders don't understand the mindset, if they don't know how to provide support and leadership, then you can get like these siloed experiences, but you can't get that whole systems approach that will actually allow for real change. And I just, I appreciated the way that you identified that need, because I do feel like there's a lot of inclusion and equity work that is not necessarily intentionally performative, but it ends up being that way because there's not enough authority 
for people to actually make those changes. Um, what is it that helped you? I mean, obviously, you know, you're, <laughs> it's a no brainer once you say it, but you were, you're one of the first people I've seen that really worked on that. So what was it that helped you to see that? Or what, what experience did you have that, that made that obvious to you? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think I have so many experiences um, throughout my work, uh, professional life where leaders unintentionally were very um, inclusive and to the point mm-hmm. where like I realized that um, it shattered some of my dreams, you know, like maybe applying for a specific position. Yeah, just I can tell you a story where I applied for a, a position. It was a senior leadership in an organization. I was totally ready for it. And um, after uh, I sent my application, they sent an email saying that they I have been selected for the mm-hmm. interview. So I was like so excited. I really prepared really well for that interview. And it, it felt like it was my next step for sure. Um, so the day before the interview, I received an email telling me that they have changed the location. And I said, well, this is strange. Now we're meeting in a cafe versus in the office. Um, so I felt that something was not right. However, I uh, attended the, I, I went to the interview and um, when I arrived there, uh, they told me actually, you know, the position has been filled and, uh, but we still wanted you to come in. And I was like, I felt that uh, that was very odd and very strange that I have been invited to an interview, but then they have hired someone before I had the opportunity to even, um, you know, interview with them. So um, after they told me that, they said, but we want to really ask you if you can join our board. Your resume is so impressive. You have done so many Mm -hmm. leadership development. We really want you in our board. So I felt really confused. I was like, oh, let me think about it. I left, you know, a lot of confusion, disappointment, and, you know, a lot of things going on with me while I was driving back. Um, But what ended up happening in terms of um, leadership not being really inclusive is that first, I didn't have an opportunity to interview. Um, There were a lot of things that happened in that moment that they were the result of leaders that were not really aware. They thought they were doing something that was great. You know, they want to diversify their board. I will represent a minority. So it's like, okay, it is great to bring you in without even telling you ahead that you're not going to interview. So anyway, that's just Mm -hmm. one example through my professional life. There are many other examples in which leaders were really unaware um, of what they were doing and the impact they were having. And uh, so it was really clear to me that inclusive leadership, it is so important. And not everybody has it because many times you have lived in the same culture, you haven't have to develop the muscle to lead across differences. Um, so for me, it's not, it is not a judgment, it's just any other skill and ability we need to develop particularly the mindset, because we don't see what we cannot see. Um, So, yeah, exactly. Well, and that, 
And I think it's really important. I appreciate you talking about it as a muscle and a skill because I do feel like what I what I've experienced in in my experience, like times of working with folks around different cultural um, trainings and such, is that people can take it personally. Like someone saying, "Oh, you're not, you know, you're you're bad, or you didn't do it right." And it's really it's not that. It's it's simply acknowledging that if we want to create something new and different, we have to learn new and different skills. And they may or may not be skills that we currently have. And and for some reason, we're aware of that in sort of these hard skill sets. Like, you know, we know that we can't do, say, uh, calculus if we haven't learned certain types of mathematical equations or studied. And yet in these like people skills, it's it's there's like almost this sort of like, I don't know, it's a it's a very interesting self-judgment that people get into and then react around it's like somehow they're supposed to know it. Why? Why are you supposed to know it? If you grew up in a small town or a limited situation for some reason and your experiences are very homogenous, someone is going to have to support you in that process. And and you may not even know you do it. Like one would hope a leader of a company would know. But a lot of folks, they get surprised the first time they realize like, oh, wait a minute, this is all very different. (laughs) So I think it's it's like a very simplistic view that because they have good intentions, that's what matters. But exactly mm-hmm. as you are saying, it's like, okay, I have really good intentions to sell around the world, but I don't know how to sell, you know, that the intention is not enough. You really need to um, have that development, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, I think, there's, and like you said, no judgment. It's just, it's a fact. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so what are the common mis- misconceptions that you run into when you're doing this inclusion work or do you, I mean, I feel like you, you talk about it being beyond inclusion, but do you identify it as like DE&I, diversity, equity, inclusion, or leadership training? Oh yeah. So we are a comprehensive diversity, equity, and inclusion group. The name beyond inclusion is kind of like um, thinking about what it is beyond what we know what it is beyond inclusion, how things look like, what it is, what what does a world that is beyond inclusion look like? And of course, we cannot know, right? Because we have lived in a world forever that is not equitable, it's not inclusive. Um, So it's something that we have to discover. So the way I uh, think about the work that we do at Beyond Inclusion Group is really, we focus a lot on uh, levels of development at the individual level at, and at the organizational level. And uh, we're very, very specific about what type of organizations we can work with because there are organizations that are at a certain level of development that it doesn't matter how many programs they develop, mm-hmm. they're not going to be inclusive because the mindset, the, the organizational design is not designed for inclusion. So we don't mm. see, we don't see, uh, first we see like inclusion is about creating like meaningful workplaces where mm-hmm. our gifts and our, our talents can blossom and our callings can be honored and supported. And I'm not talking about just one person, but everyone in that organization. So in order for that to happen, um, the organizational design, the structures, the, the policies, the way of doing business really have to reflect this desire. Um, so in terms of mm. developmental stage, 
uh, for example, corporations, regular corporations, I will say the mindset um, that normally they are at is the achiever kind of like, we want to be the best, we want to competition, we want to be the best in the market. And really, there's nothing wrong with that. But in that sense, corporations tend to tend to see DEI as a means to an end, is that a competitive advantage, but it's not something that is the way we do business. Um, so mm. then we have organizations that are more at a different level of development, such as um, nonprofit organizations or mm -hmm. certified corporations or you know, business that are more purpose-driven, not just mission-driven, but purpose-driven, where they balance profit with mission, with um, mm -hmm. um, that the structure and the way they do business is more conducive to inclusion. However, there are a lot of blind spots at that level. And I think this goes more to the question that you asked me, that it is what are some of the things that I have seen. Um, yeah. So at that level, generally organizations feel like, you know, they have arrived, that they are, they are doing good work, they are really good intention, uh, they have really good intentions and therefore they have arrived. And that's one blind spot, that there is no more work to be done. Um, so that's just a very long answer. That was great. Thank you. I really appreciate the distinction you make there, too, between that that organizational design and and honestly recognizing whether or not a, a, an organization is actually ready to, to take it on and to see it as sort of this ongoing process in how you do business as opposed to like a box you check or a goal you achieve and then <laughs> you're done. Um, and I think some of that's also that we're always learning, right? It's not it's mm -hmm. not even that maybe the company might actually have, quote unquote, achieved like all of their stated goals or their understood goals. However, over time, they're going to grow and, and realize, oh, wait, we have more to, to integrate or to learn. So, um, I mean, that's I think that's kind of the fun part also, as well as the challenging part, just recognizing that it's not um, it's not a checkbox. It's a process. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Um. So what do you think would be different in the world if you achieve your vision? Like what, what's the, the small or big impact you're hopeful of creating? Yeah, so basically uh, we believe in a just, equitable world where everyone has the same opportunities regardless of um, any social identity, sexual orientation, race, ethnicity, age, etc. So um, particularly, I am dedicating my time and my energy to work with organizations that are incredible uh, community leaders and community organizers that are working to build inclusion in another areas at the community level, you know, that will translate um, in, a, in a more global way. But I dedicate my time to organizations because organizations really, um, I think that are very um, hierarchical generally. And um, 
it is a place where people come together with their whole traumas, their whole histories, and to do a specific work. And while we are only paying attention, if we are only paying attention to the work that needs to be done, which is the reason why people come together, but we don't pay attention to all the nuances about uh, the individuals, what they bring to the table outside of their skills and talents and how to make sure that they feel psychologically safety, um, that they feel seen, that they feel valued. Um, the, the effectiveness of the work that we all came to be done is not going to be as good if we don't pay attention mm -hmm. to, you know, the individuals and, and. Yeah. No, that feels true. Um, where do you go for inspiration? Especially, I mean, life is, the last couple of years have been even extra challenging. And at the same time, it, there's always been, there's always something <laughs> that, that can kind of lead to that feeling of overwhelm or, you know, pushing against the tide. So how do you keep yourself motivated? Um, yeah, you're right, Isla. The world has been crazy the last two years. However, for me, this, what is happening right now is my own inspiration um, because the way I see the events that have unfolded in the last two years, um, it's really a crisis that is calling us to evolve as human beings and as organizational leaders. And, you know, so instead of seeing all that is happening as something that is negative, as something that, and, and yes, you know, it is, it is very stressful. It is, but for me, it's a call, it's, it's, I, it is a, to follow the call of the future. What are we being asked to do as human beings right now? What are these crises bringing us? So that inspiration of like, I see it as this opportunity to change, this opportunity to evolve, to move into a new level of development that goes beyond where we are right now, that we're really inclusion and uh, justice and uh, racial equality, equity um, can happen and can unfold in addition, of course, to you know, a better world in terms of how are we uh, impacting the environment, what it is that we are doing. So yeah, these are very stressful time, but these are very, um, um, I will say inspiring times in the sense that if we are able to hear what we are being asked to do through this crisis and through what is happening, that then we can move forward into a new, um, a new stage in, in our existence of, as human beings, where really we have an opportunity to create a, a world that you know, I think we all have been dreaming, or at least I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna speak for mm -hmm. others, but I have been dreaming uh, for a very long time. Um, so anyway, I just want to put out there that I have developed uh, what I call uh, the Evolutionary Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Guide, and it's a oh. free um, PDF I that people can download in which I talk about different uh, 
levels of development um, and how they relate, what, what, how they show up in the organizational environment, um, how leaders operate through their specific lenses are the different levels of development and what is the impact on DEI. So for me, when you talk about inspiration, um, I think that now we're ready to move into that developmental stage in which the beyond inclusion can happen. Um, and, and, mm -hmm. and that's my, our mission is to really help organizations and leaders evolve to that new developmental stage. So inclusion, equity um, can happen. Yeah, no, that sounds great. I was trying to find a link to the thing that so I could share it, but I'll have to grab that from you and I'll make sure that's yes. in the um, event information so folks can uh, grab that later because uh, that sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think that that's a big part of it is that you we have to find ways to make it accessible to folks. And like one of the things I also really like about the way you approach things is you do start with, are we a good fit? Like, can... Because I think that's part of it, too, that that there's different, like like you said, different levels, different mm -hmm. organizational needs and making sure that before you start something, you sort of assess, like, are, are we actually going to be able to achieve these goals that you have as a business and, and achieve the, the, the you know, success that I see from inclusion work? I know it took me a while, like it was when I first started in the nonprofit world, I came from a corporate environment and I had very much that, you know, you just got to make decisions and get going. And at first when we're, you know, we're doing our group decision making and I'm like, gosh, this is so inefficient. And I was just very frustrated by all of it. And, and then over time I realized, well, it can be. However, once you kind of learn how to do it and you like understand how to work with people and, and facilitate that conversation, it is actually so powerful because maybe it takes a little bit longer to get the information, but then when you actually engage in something, you have a more robust strategy with more people who really are participating. You can see things that are um, different than what you would have seen, as you said, because you're not dealing with just your blind spots. You've got like everybody's involved. And so it, it took me a minute to like, uh, comprehend the value of it because I came from that background. But once I saw the ways in which it was um, applied, I was like, wow, this is great. And we don't teach kids that. Like, I don't know. I remember in school we did group work and it was always, you know, like check the box. Like they, they throw work at a group of kids, but they don't actually walk them through. Like, this is how a group project works. This is how you communicate. This is how you break things down. <laughs> and so, I don't know. I feel like that would be a valuable thing to maybe actually provide more guidance when people are learning those skills because they are really applicable, but I don't know that people have them. I don't even know that there's a lot of really great information until you actually get into something like inclusion work or not, you know, nonprofit organizing and such that you start getting information on how to actually do group work as opposed to be in a group working next to people. <laughs> so, and thank yeah. you for this. I got the handout link that I'll put up for folks. Um, so what hobby do you have that you think would surprise people? Hmm, surprise people. <laughs> I don't know if it's a, it will surprise people, but um, one of my, I will not say that is a hobby, but maybe um, it helps me 
to keep my sanity and uh, mm. in this world and to stay centered. Um, I practice yoga um, like three times a week. And um, that really helps helps me be uh, more centered, be more in, cont in co contact with what my soul calling, what my purpose is. The world gets so it is so busy, you know, and we get pulled in so many directions that it's very easy to get off uh, my center and then start running around and getting into patterns, trying to please all my clients or doing things that are not really coming from my center, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's something that really helps me. I love going out in nature for the same reason. Again, it really helps me. Um, keep myself grounded, keep myself connected, uh, listen, you know, and reflect to what it is that I can do um, better or what is next. Um, I think reflecting is, is, a, is a very important thing that if we don't take time to do it. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't do that. I was um, an accident. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, reflection mm -hmm. yeah if we if i don't take time to reflect you know i'm the type of person that i pay attention to my dreams i pay attention what with to the messages that i'm getting in in different ways you know um so those are two things that i love doing i love paddle boarding i think it's it's uh i love being in the water so those are the and connecting you know one of my mm -hmm. biggest values uh, my top three values are like the, the one is like freedom. I love to feel this sense of being free, mm -hmm. um, connection and adventure. So those are like the three. So connecting with different people um, at a deep level is something that is a big hobby of mine, I will say. Mm -hmm. I love that. I appreciate it. I also I, I find that living by values is helpful because it can be a good way to make those important decisions. So one of the questions I asked you uh, ahead of time was what your best advice was. And that's why I was trying to figure out a way to show it that isn't awkward. But of course, that's not happening. So we'll see. Oh, yeah, I see it. I can see it. There's this behind it. But could you read this? Because I, I thought it was such a great um, okay. piece of um, advice. Apparently, what I say is like, show up and be yourself, no matter the situation. Authenticity exudes confidence. Some people will reject you because they may feel threatened, but it is worth it. Yeah, I was like, I really, I think that's such a great a piece of advice. Like, it, it's true. Mm -hmm. Someone might reject you for being authentic, but they might reject you anyway. And at least if they reject you for being you, <laughs> you still have that. <laughs> Yeah, I think like we, you know, the reason that I value authenticity and, and it, it, it is not one of my three top values, but I mean, I will add it right to the fourth is because we are conditioned to be and to do all these things, you know, that may not align with who we really are, but we want to be accepted. We want to belong uh, so part of my personal story is that, you know, how to have the feeling that you belong, but without having to conform to what we have been conditioned to, to do or to say. Um, so kind of really connecting to that um, 
centered to that authenticity and operating from this, it just is the way to bring our light to others. Um, so I love authenticity because of that. Thank you. Yeah. No, and I think it's helpful. Um, it, but you're right. Like it's it's a balance of, of how to be authentic. And, you know, obviously there are times when we need to be professional, although I feel like that could be a weaponized term there. you know, <laughs> So it's it's a little bit tricky. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I would be curious to hear how authenticity would be in conflict with being professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, how being authentic would be in conflict with being professional? Yeah. Um, well, interestingly, like for me personally, I don't think that it is, mm -hmm. but I have absolutely seen situations where people are like judged or rejected for being comfortable being open about maybe something they're arranging for a family scenario um, or honest you know honestly just saying like i don't feel great like today's a hard day and it's not necessarily even that they aren't going to do their work but you know instead of like someone asks how are you and instead of saying oh i'm fine saying yeah, actually i'm kind of struggling right now and <laughs> and so there's ways in which um i i feel like i've seen that get mm. received um badly or judged or dismissed Mm -hmm. um, and, and I feel like honestly, like it gets, it's a little harder sometimes for people who are female presenting. If you are open about your experiences mm -hmm. or your feelings, that's a little bit less acceptable, um, because of some of the ways in which we deal with gender. Um, and I don't like it. I think it's, I think it's diminishing to everybody. Um, and I'd love to be in a, in a world where, we we are more inclusive of the whole experience of a person that it's not considered to be unprofessional to have uh, an honest answer to how are you or something like mm -hmm. that. And I think there are companies that are absolutely doing that. But mm -hmm. I don't I don't know. You'd have to tell me because I think you work with more corporations than I do. Um, if you think it's more acceptable or if you think there's still that sort of gap between professional and authentic. Hmm. Um, well, I think that. It's kind of really old school, the concept where you have to leave part of yourself out the door because one, it is not possible. You know, we are going to come to a work setting to do our job and we're going to do our best, but our emotions, our who we are is, is present all the time. So I think organizations are being more open about people recognizing, you know, that people have lives outside of work, that are things happening and that are more open to um, people bringing their whole self to work. And this is like a huge part of inclusion, right? If I'm, if I'm having a really big problem and I, I come to work and I cannot tell anyone or, you know, I think that's part of not being an organization that really takes care or or, or um, really cares about the people that work there. So I don't know. I I maybe it's my my filter. I think that nowadays that's something that um, doesn't happen as much anymore. But again, I, I work mainly with certain type of organizations yeah. that are already uh, closer to to that, to, to inclusion mm -hmm. and, and to equity. Well, I'm glad. And I'm glad that you're working with enough of them that we could feel that sense of maybe that's going to be more the norm. I, 
that's my hope. My hope is that we will continue to to create more integration, inclusion, opportunities for diverse people, experiences, and identities to be centered so that we can actually move into this new world that we've been wanting to create for a long time. And I think working towards. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the best way if someone's like really inspired, obviously we'll have the link to your guide. Um, but what are other things or ways for folks to get involved with beyond inclusion or to reach out to you if they're curious about uh, a way to get you involved in their company? Like what's that? Yeah, again, so as you say before, like fit is such an important topic, right? So I would encourage individuals first, download the um, evolutionary guide to diversity, equity and inclusion to see if that's something that resonates with you. Uh, the other is uh, visit our webpage, um, uh, www.beyondinclusiongroup.com um, our linking page we publish a newsletter every two weeks um, with talking about these this topics and in a very cutting edge way I think um, uh, sign up for our newsletter you know in our web page you can sign up for the newsletter and I also publish a monthly blog you know um, for people that wants to be up to date and reading. Um, And then of course, if, you know, all these resonates with you, there is also a tab in our webpage that say, are we a good fit? Uh, So we talk a a little bit about, we talk about our values, who are the clients that we really are a good fit for. Uh, Basically uh, organizations that are willing to invest time um, and resources in a long-term engagement, because we know that transformational work takes very, takes long time. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, visit that tab, are we a good fit? I think that will give you a really good idea. If the other, if, if the, our theory of change, our philosophy resonates with you. Um, and then, of course, the best way to find out is just schedule a call with me. Um, you know, and I can send you the link to my calendar. Um, just have a conversation, you know, and we can find out if we are a good fit, if, if uh, the, um, what we have to offer can really support where you are in the continuum. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, do you have anything else to say before we, we close or anything that you feel would be helpful for folks to get connected to if they're interested in being part of this movement to be beyond inclusion to this new world that we all want to live in? <laughs> um, let's see. I think that's something that you mentioned before about, you know, making mistakes. And uh, I I recognize that the reason why a lot of uh, leaders may not be moving um, diversity, equity, and and inclusion in their organizations is because they may don't feel they have the competencies or they don't have the capacity or they are afraid to make mistakes. And um, just... What I want to say is that 
uh, we have this program called um, the Inclusive Leader Coaching Intensive that is for leaders who want to accelerate their growth in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Leaders that want to feel more confidence, uh, more confident mm -hmm. and skillful were leading across differences. And it is like a um, 10 week program, one-on-one -on -one coaching um, that really dive deep into reflection, into awareness, and um, that mindset and that skill set growth for leaders. So I would want to say if you're a leader and you feel like internal resistance uh, because of the reasons that I mentioned, maybe you don't feel like you have the skills or you are afraid of making mistakes. So you tend to um, kind of like procrastinate in the area of diversity, equity and inclusion. This is a wonderful program that uh, support will support um, your development in, in this area and beyond. That actually sounds amazing. I I'll, I'll put that. I'll put a link. The link as well. Yeah, I definitely. Mean, I'll put that in the notes as well because I want people to be able to find all of these things. Um, and thank you so much for giving us your time today. I really appreciate you. Um, and us finally getting to do this is perfect yes. timing. And um, in two weeks, I'll pop this up so people can see. I'm going to have Alicia Fall from Her Many Voices on to talk about the work that she does. Uh, she builds coalitions to serve a vision of the world in which we come together to care for our Mother Earth, primarily in indigenous populations um, and communities. Uh, so super excited to, to have her on. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Appreciate you being here. Thank you, Isla. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate Great. it. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye.